Every day, it seems, information risk management is becoming a greater concern, not just to IT security managers, but to senior executives at businesses and government agencies of all sizes. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Edward DeMarco, Director of Operational Risk and Director of Regulatory Relations and Communications at the Risk Management Association. Thanks, Ed, for taking time to speak. My pleasure, Eric. Thanks for, thanks for having me. First off, please take a few moments to tell us a bit about the RMA. The Risk Management Association, we're approaching our 100th anniversary. Uh, the association was founded in 1914. We're unlike many other trade associations that represent financial services firm uh, firms in that we're, we're member-driven. Um, our sole purpose, and, and we're limited in scope to what we do, um, our sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk principles in the financial uh, services industry. And we do this by promoting an enterprise-wide approach to risk management. Uh, you know, risks have typically been housed in silos, whether that's credit risk, market risk, operational risk. And uh, an ERM approach would be looking through the silos and, and pulling the risks together and reporting them uh, up and down uh, the line in, in, in the company uh, so that uh, you, know, you, you can operate the business in a holistic sense. Um, yeah, we do a, a bunch of interesting things as a professional association. Um, you know, obviously, we offer training opportunities and conferences, but more importantly, and I, I think the real work that we do as thought leaders, uh, uh, we do a lot of uh, a range of practice studies, uh, and, and they're important because it, it allows the bank uh, the opportunity to see is it uh, conducting risk management practices on a particular issue, uh, sort of, you know, in the larger herd, or is it an outlier? And do you need to adjust your practices or not? What can you learn from what your peers are doing? Uh, and similar to that, uh, we do a lot of peer sharing events, which we call roundtables or working groups, and that's basically a collective of uh, similarly situated professionals that talk about current issues and 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 how they're approaching them. Uh, so you know, you provide a lot of value uh, to membership by by having that ability to harness uh, the intellectual capital of the members. Uh, you know, as, as things move very quickly in the industry, uh, it, it's important to uh, to think the issues through, react, and 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 react in a way that's that's uh, that's advantageous. What have been the top challenges for risk management professionals in 2011? In a word, you could say Dodd Frank. You know, it's, it's no surprise that the uh, the top challenge has been incre uh, the increased regulatory demands uh, in the wake of the crisis. And um, we went out, we surveyed our members uh, roughly this time last year about what their top challenges were, uh, and we did this uh, uh, in anticipation of a sit-down meeting with the uh, with the OCC's National Risk Committee because they wanted to know what strategic challenges our membership was facing. But uniformly, the members that we surveyed, and this is regardless of bank size, so whether you, uh, the responder was a community bank or somebody from a very large institution, uh, regardless of that size, what they all talked about as challenges were operating in an uncertain global economic and regulatory environment. And, you know, you say, well, you know, why, you know, everybody understands the volatility of the markets. Uh, you know, you look at the situation in, in Greece and Italy, and, and, and that's clear. But, you know, what people forget about Dodd-Frank is that, you know, that act, it's really vague. Um, and you say, how can something that's 2,300 pages long be vague? Well, it really misses a lot of detail. Um, what really has happened is Congress delegated to the, the banking agencies and, and other agencies, and there are a total of 11 regulatory agencies involved in the rule writing. 
but they really delegated uh, the conduct of studies uh, to decide how an issue should be treated and then rule writing. So there are 70 studies that had to be conducted under Dodd-Frank and more than 240 new regulations to be written. So that's when you look at it from a regulatory scope, that's an enormous, enormous amount of work for the regulators to undertake um, and continue to manage from a regulatory standpoint through the crisis. And then, you know, there are obviously other day-to-day issues that are top of mind for uh, risk management people, uh, stress testing, uh, revenue growth uh, issues. You know, there's not a lot of uh, new deals in the pipeline. You know, you see that in the the financial and, and popular press. Uh, so that lack of deals uh, really contributes to a, you know, a, 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 again, I guess, a revisiting of, you know, uh, looser underwriting standards because there's so much competition, which means that maintaining credit discipline is a real challenge uh, for risk management people. And then the thing that um, is out there that, you know, sort of the great unknown, and you hear it's been politicized so much, is what's going to be the impact of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? Um, you know, Elizabeth Warren was uh, the titular head of it before it became a full-fledged bureau. Uh, we have a, uh, uh, a nominee that's, that's not going to get voted upon. Uh, you know, the whole process has become politicized. So, you know, what is going to be the impact of the CFPB on a go-forward basis? Uh, I think that that's going to be a, a, a continue to be a big issue for banks as we head into, uh, into 2012. Um, but, you know, Dodd-Frank, you know, it, it's enormously complex. And, and what it really does, you know, from a risk management standpoint, it means that banks have to take a, you know, really comprehensive, uh, comprehensive review of their, uh, of their different business lines. You've got to understand, you know, what are the cost and revenue implications of Dodd-Frank on the lines? Is a line that was profitable in 2009, 2010, does it make sense to have that business line now? And, you know, again, you could read the financial press and see where, where banks have sold business lines to other banks. Um, and I think, you know, some part of that you can attribute strategically to in the new economic reality and regulatory environment we're in, that business line didn't make sense for the seller anymore, uh, even though it may have been profitable in the past. So I think, uh, you know, you, you look at Dodd-Frank, I think the, the, the real key challenge is how do we roll out changes in the business lines? Uh, you know, how are our business models going to be um, going to be impacted? How can we minimize really disruption to the business? Because um, you know, there's a very large compliance burden that's placed on the uh, on the banks as a result of Dodd-Frank. And I think, um, you know, when you, when you look at it, Dodd-Frank applies up and down throughout an institution. So that requires an enormous training burden. You know, you're not just training a, a discrete group of people uh, on particular aspects, but you really have to think comprehensively, how do I have to train people for the, you know, the new regulatory environment that they're going to be, uh, going to be operating in. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, when you look at uh, you know 2011 and the volatility we're in, um, I don't think it's any great secret, but banks have to improve their earnings and, and their risk management capacities, and uh, they're going to have to adopt uh, you know risk appetites that drive sustainable, less volatile results, and that are capital efficient. Uh, you know, really, at the, you, you've got to have. Uh, You've got to have product lines that you understand uh, that make sense from how the bank is capitalized and that you can uh, generate uh, a return on investment that's really commensurate uh, with the risk that the institution is willing to take. Besides Dodd-Frank and the startup of the Consumer Protection Bureau, what do you see as other top trends or challenges for 2012? 
That's an interesting question. Given where we're at in the calendar year now, uh, probably the top challenges will continue to be uh, dealing with the fallout of the European debt crisis and implementation of Dodd-Frank. But there are other specific things, I think, that are going to be top of mind to risk management people. Uh, one of them uh, you know, is FSOC, the Financial Stability Oversight Council. Uh, that and the Office of Financial Research are really designed as uh, data warehouses for reporting. Um, uh, and and what, what you've got now is yet another two groups that, uh, that banks have to report to. So you're really talking about enormously complex data requirements uh, that require large expenditures for uh, system development and so forth. So I think, again, regulatory burden associated with FSOC and, and the Office of Financial Research, I think that'll be important. Um, I think, uh, uh, regardless of, again, bank size, um, I think you know, main, earning a, an appropriate return on investment uh, to attract new capital and, and remain independent if you're a smaller bank, uh, I think that's going to be a huge challenge. Um, I think developing uh, new strategies or new products to serve customers and, you know, and offset the revenue growth constraints that we're seeing through Dodd-Frank, I think that's going to become important. And you know, we, we saw some of that happen earlier in the fall. Uh, you know, when certain of the banks announced that they were going to be charging a fee if you used the debit card, well, that was an example of developing a new strategy uh, to offset, uh, you know, slower revenue growth elsewhere in the bank. And you see how that, uh, you know, what the public reaction to that was. Um, so, you know, thinking those strategies through, uh, and, and I think the emphasis here is how do you better serve customers, uh, not just offset revenue, but better serve customers it has to be the emphasis, and, and that's a real challenge. Um, and I think, you know, flowing from that, you know, we've had, you know, the crisis uh, started in 2008. We're in, at the end of 2011 now. Uh, you know, it's no great secret that the banking industry has taken a reputational hit. And I think it's going to be an important challenge for the industry to understand this and to operate in a way to restore trust in the marketplace. And, and, and if you do that, you restore the trust, you're going to attract and retain profitable customer relationships, the kinds of relationships that, that a bank wants to have uh, you know, in its target market. And then I think um, you know, from our standpoint at RMA, I think one key lesson learned as a result of the crisis uh, and it's always going to be a challenge uh, for the banks is that uh, you know they've you've constantly got to look at your risk management practices, uh, make sure that they make sense for your institution, not as your institution is in a static way, but as it as it grows, it may be into new business lines or through acquisition, uh, into new geographies, um, new product sets, etc. Really, you know, does the bank have the kind of robust risk management practices uh, that help keep it out of the kind of trouble uh, that uh, you know the bank saw themselves uh, get into as a result of this uh, this current financial crisis? Where is the skills gap? What areas do risk management professionals need to develop? It's really a twofold question. You know, first you got to think about you know risk management and, and embedding it in the very in, in the very fabric of the organization and, and 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 attracting and retaining qualified risk management professionals. On the first issue, uh, you can see in banking and, and other industries, frankly, that, that where you develop really disciplined, reliable, um, comprehensive risk management systems and good corporate governance practices, you can really enhance a company's reputation and increase shareholder value. If you think about it for a minute, um, you know the goal of the risk management practitioner, it's not to avoid taking risk. And, and often as you, you, you talk about the crisis, well, if they didn't take this risk, they wouldn't have had this, this issue. Well, it's not, to, not about not taking risk. I mean, if a company doesn't take risk, then it won't generate profits. 
So instead, prudent risk management, it really means that a firm should be compensated for the risk that it takes. So it's, it's sort of the eyes wide open approach. You know, firms should really develop, and this is something that RMA has really, uh, really promoted a lot the last couple of years, but firms should really develop risk appetite policy statements at the board level, which guides risk taken by the enterprise. Certainly, the financial crisis demonstrated that, that banks really got into trouble when they offered products or services that they didn't really understand. And it not only didn't, didn't they understand them, but they didn't have the proper uh, – framework in place to really manage the risk coming from those products or services. So at the end of the day, what you're really talking about is the strategic application of risk management practices, uh, much like you would, you would want to think strategically from a marketing perspective, you'd want to think strategically from a risk management perspective. So you know, if you develop a, a really sound, uh, clearly articulated, if you will, risk, risk appetite statement, you know, that's not, the, not the, the end of the game. You really have to communicate that broadly throughout the organization where it's understood, embraced, and really used to manage the business. And then from a, a purely the, the, the individual's point of view, uh, you know, risk management professionals need to be able to identify um, and assess risks and communicate those risks to business line managers and up the corporate ladder uh, so that risks are managed across the enterprise. You know, we don't want, want something, uh, you know, in a particular silo where, uh, you know, it could affect uh, other areas of the bank, but, uh, you know, but the lack of communication keeps it siloed until, until there's a real problem. Um, and so from a, an individual standpoint, this really requires training for younger practitioners, whether it's credit risk, market risk, or operational risk training. For more experienced people, it's, it's not so much a question of training. Training, really, it's 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 about peer sharing. Uh, you know, learning what somebody in a in a similar institution is doing to cope with a particular issue. Uh, you know, and here at RMA, you know, we offer a full range of training courses, roundtables, discussion groups, etc. And uh, you know, if you partake of those, it's it's a, it's a way to to keep learning outside of your organization. You know, what's going on in the industry. Um, so I think that you know, really. Maintaining the self-discipline to manage your career and uh, and and keep current, if you will, uh, on, on on risk management techniques and issues. I think that's really uh, going to help bridge the skills gap, especially. Uh, and again, in my area in operational risk, you see a lot of people from op risk come in from internal audit, compliance, uh, credit, or just some other function in the bank that they rotate into uh, operational risk. So you really have to avail yourself of not just your internal training opportunities, uh, but external training and peer sharing, uh, peer sharing events to really get up to speed on things. As risk management becomes more a focal point in organizations, have risk management professionals gained more influence within their organizations? They have, and and they can always they can always uh, obtain more influence. And the way you do that is is really by partnering with the business line. Uh, you've got to be able to engage in a dialogue uh, with the business line people about current and anticipated risks. And again, here I'll speak from an operational risk perspective. Uh, you know, if I'm a business line manager, uh, I'm going to be visited by somebody from internal audit, someone from compliance, and someone from op risk. And a lot of the questions are going to sound kind of the same. And I'm going to sit here scratching my head going, didn't I just have this conversation with this other guy last week? Why are we having it again now? And uh, you really need to dialogue and, 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 and have a, uh, a good, clear agenda when you have that conversation so that the, the business line person thinks that they're partnering. And uh, you really you, you want to talk about about risk. That's why you're there. Um, and I'll tell you, we, we just had a uh, an operational risk forum uh, in Washington last month. And we took an informal poll of uh, the people attending about what are the largest 
external risks that their banks are facing. And we got 34 different, uh, different risks. Um, you know, it's no secret that the most votes uh, went to regulatory changes, um, but they were followed by the economy, interest rates, future housing prices, and cybersecurity. So some of those are macroeconomic, uh, some are, uh, I'm going to call it risk types like cybersecurity. But if you're a risk manager, you, you want to have a, a periodic dialogue, if you will, with your business line counterpart about risk like these and, and how they may affect the business on a go-forward basis. And uh, operational risk being about uh, uh, the risk associated with people, processes, and external events, it's important to, you know, to talk, talk with your, your business line counterpart and, and how would these risks affect, uh, affect either the product that they're offering, uh, the service that they're providing, etc., and really really think it through um, and, and have that dialogue on a, on a real regular basis, but not just go in there in your, your hip pocket with, you know, sort of generic external risks, but really talk about risks, uh, you know, that you're seeing now in the marketplace that your, your colleagues at other institutions are, uh, are seeing or talking about and really maybe analogize to other industries. So, uh, like, say you're in a in uh, in Philadelphia, uh, where where we're located, uh, healthcare and pharmaceutical are, are really uh, important industries to Philadelphia. Well, you know what happens um, if, if you're uh, you know a, a bank that does business in Philadelphia uh, from a risk standpoint, if those industries take a hit, you know you've got to think that kind of thing through, um, you know constantly, uh, you know evolve your thinking uh, from a risk standpoint. Uh, the other thing that risk managers have to do is they really need to be able to engage senior management and the board uh, on these current and emerging issues. But you, you know, there's so many of them, if you really think about it, uh, that you can't overwhelm the board with details so they, they get bogged down. Um, so really, at the end of the day, um, you've got to communicate you know, in a clear, concise fashion uh, with the board and make things um, easily understood and uh, e easy to operationalize or, or for them to, uh, to make decisions upon. Uh, and, and I think if you do that, uh, risk management will become more of a focal point. It'll uh, get, uh, uh, you know, the, its, its stature in the organization will be elevated. And it won't be viewed as a, quote, compliance function, unquote, but it'll be really viewed as uh, something that drives demonstrable value for the organization. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, Eric. Uh, it, was, it was my pleasure. That's Edward DeMarco of the Risk Management Association for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.